when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's February hmm, 15th, and you were listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 461. I changed part of this intro text in the Trello card, but not all of it, which led to the pausing of me going, is it February 11th? I mean, it could could be whatever we want. Mm -hmm. Um, It's February 11th. It's episode 461. It is also... Kato's birthday as we as we record this not um as you listen to it so uh if you're listening to this and you didn't already wish Kato a happy birthday I mean you're late but you can still do it (laughs) thank you um Kato how old are you I'm 33 33 are you are you have you reached the age where you had to think about it before you said that Yes, <laughs> it was this year. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I've spent most of the 32 thinking that I had already turned 33 and been like, wait, no, I'm ahead of year. Why am I ahead of year? <laughs> uh, when uh, uh, we were also joined by, uh, I was about to tell a story and I was like, I should probably introduce our other uh, <laughs> guests uh, before I launch into like a minute and a half story. Uh, Matthew Galt, uh, motherboard writer, Waypoint contributor who uh, is is joining us. Uh, today to talk about Horizon Forbidden West because Galt, Galt, you played a lot of that game, <laughs> and I, I played, played. I played so much Forbidden West. <laughs> I played less of that game, but I played. I played that game, and so we're we're gonna break down um, the the new big new Sony uh, sequel soon. But uh, what I was gonna uh, mention was that uh, when my uh, wife is pregnant with our uh, youngest, I when we go in for like the different appointments and like she'd write down her age i was i was convinced she was putting down the wrong age uh like she was off by a year and i would she would tell she would tell me he's like no 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 you're right you're wrong i'm like i don't i don't think i'm wrong and then like i'm one of the the, one of the final one of the final appointments uh like someone caught on to it like came back and said like ma'am we did the math like you're a year younger than you think you are and she was like yay (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it was like a very long, like I knew I was right, but I didn't yeah. want to put in the actual work to prove it. <laughs> I just knew I was right. And she just didn't want to believe me. But then eventually some receptionist figured it out and was like, I think you've been writing down the wrong age on your Amazing. <laughs> on your forms every time you come in to check on this child. 20, 2020 and 2022, 21, 22, Jesus. 2020 and 2021 were so long that I just added an extra year. I was like, I'm surely I'm. Mm-hmm. 33 now because it's been forever since the last time I had a birthday party in 2019. <laughs> uh, love living in the era of uh, sped up and somehow also stopped time. Yeah. Time is fake. Yeah. It turns out. Yeah. <laughs> I think thir- I think 35 was where I 
like one time had to do like a cal- like a open the calculator app and be like, how old am I? Like I've, I'm yeah. uh, I've I've forgotten because <laughs> uh, like I feel like once you like around hit thirty five, you're not really even COVID aside, like less frequent that you're doing like a thing for your birthday. It's sort of just a day, and if you have a significant other, you're maybe like getting dinner with them, yep. or if you have or if you have kids like I do. You're not doing any of those things and your, and <laughs> your perception of time speeds up so much at that point, the years really start to blur together and you look up and you're like, wait, it's already fall. What's going on? I'm scared. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I have an easy so one just because I to. add one to whatever year it is. So it's 22. I'm 33. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, see, I need a little I need a fun little system <laughs> to figure it out. Which will be, I'll ask my wife, and she's much better at remembering <laughs> those things. Like, you're, next year you're 38. I'm like, okay, all right, next year I'm 38. <laughs> yeah. um, dead, uh, Horizon. No, I'm pri- Horizon. It's a video game. Well, I was almost going to be like, Do you, does anyone want to talk about that trailer for Nope? Because that's the, that, the, the that trailer I can't get out of my head. No one else oh, saw I mean, that? Gonna, I think uh, I yeah, no, it. I did it. Was it during uh, the I'm first half? Uh... I can't remember because I, I rewatched it this morning and okay. tra- like we, it was in, you know, we, we went down the street to watch the, the game and have our kids hang out with other kids. And so like the, the trailer was on, mm. but I, I did not actually process much of it. Um, and then I, I watched it this morning. We played this hilarious game for the Super Bowl. Like, you know, people have different like activities, you know, where you can bet some money. And uh, my I had never done this one before, but they printed out cards with like different brands like a, on a bingo card. And then everyone had different cards, obviously, and sure, but the brands yeah. uh, 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 put in a different order. Um, and then so watching the commercials, which I, I think are like is a less interesting thing than it used to be, I don't know, a, a decade and a half ago. But now it's like this frantic thing where, uh, you know, I think you could win, you could win 80 bucks if your, if your bingo card got pulled. Uh, and, like if you were going to the bathroom, you had to like trust you were giving your card to a person who would appropriately mark off your, <laughs> your your bingo card. And then there became these long debates over like what constituted a commercial. So, for example, the the the, the sort of traditional Super Bowl commercials, right? Like the game is on a, on a break, and then there are commercials that fill the whole screen, right? And you're watching right. a discrete piece of media advertising for some brand or some movie or whatever. Um, but then. There were moments where uh, it would come back to the game, but there would be like tiny commercials, right? Like the, just the teeny ones that are like in the corner. And then like th- this right. became this great debate because everyone, of course, wanted to mark things off, more things off their bingo card. Like, well, is that a commercial? We're back at the game. <laughs> the commercial's in the corner. It's yes, technically it's there, a hold on. commercial. Is there a difference between an advertisement and a commercial? Because mm-hmm. that's an ad. But is it a right. commercial? Is a commercial specific to a video thing that is a certain length? Or that's what I argued. Or is it just a, a televisual advertisement, right? Right, but I think what people think commercial, if you have a card yeah. that says Super Bowl bingo card, at least this was the argument I made, and I won. Much to be <laughs> dismay. People, people, people went with my argument but were upset about it. Uh, was that, no, like the little one in the corner – like as we're like coming back into the broadcast does not count as the commercial. It's an ad. It's an, it's an ad. ad. You, you, are, right. you are absolutely right, Galt, that it is, that it is, that it is an ad, but uh, we didn't, did not deem it to be a commercial, give which is me, in the spirit of the card. Give me an example of one of the ones that's playing in the picture in picture. It's always like, like beer. 
Uh, okay. Like, oh, here's a little Bud Light seltzer, which is why people were right. arguing that it was a commercial because somebody had a Bud Light seltzer on their bingo card, really wanted to market. Uh, and I, I successfully uh, c- convinced the, <laughs> the group to not to not sign off. Of that. The other uh, big semantics argument was um, what constitutes an NFL commercial, because on one hand. The Super Bowl seems like itself an NFL commercial, but we, we we agreed that was not in the spirit of the rules. And then there'd be there was an ad for like Thursday night football games are going to be on Amazon Video. Mm-hmm. Is that an NFL commercial? Yes. Yeah. Because it's advertising the NFL, even though right. it's just moving to a different station. So I successfully station. won the argument positioning that actually it's a brand, it's it's a partnership and thus not an NFL commercial. It's an Amazon commercial. I bet and they everyone happen at this to be party showing. Right. loved you wow. so much. Wow. Well, I, it was easy to sway these arguments because you'd have half the room be, you know, uh, wanting to check something off and the other half uh, not not wanting anyone to be able to check something off. So it became like a very... <laughs> and so Patrick's here, ready to tip the yes, scale. Yes, yes, I was like, I've, I've been on a podcast. I can do some bullshit arguments. And of course, in all these situations, I had nothing to check off. And so I was I was just, I, I was serving the greater good. You're nearly um, the ex- impartial arbiter. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, Amazing. yes. And also maybe extending my ability to hopefully get to check something off later, like a, like a bush light um, that hadn't come up yet, or an Irish... What's the Irish scent? Uh, I think that whatever that is. Uh, uh, um, I, I haven't seen commercials outside of the realm of looking them up on YouTube later for some reason mm-hmm. in like a decade. It's been a really long time since I've seen organic commercial. Wow. Uh, it, it made it fun. Like the like watching the commercial is like no longer the novelty that it used to be mm-hmm. uh, that I feel like was like a part of the reason to watch the Super Bowl. If you even care about the, the, the game itself. Um, but this actually... Like the arguments were like, and it was really fun. I was like, I didn't expect to be playing this semantic game uh, while also watching the Super Bowl, but it ended up being like probably, like probably my favorite part uh, because you'd be just scream, like, screaming, screaming. There always be times where people would yell out that it was a commercial for something, knowing that someone would just mark it on their card, but then have to like scribble it out or write a note being like, this is a fake. This doesn't actually <laughs> count. Um, Cause there was one that was someone yelled out as a Verizon commercial. So I just looked at mine. I was like, Verizon check. And then like very quickly, it's like, Oh, there's, it's all the pink colors. This is a T-Mobile. Commercial. T-Mobile so like, right, I had to write on my bingo card, like fake uh, does not count. Um, very good. What'd you think was, of the uh, halftime show? It was all, it was all right. I, I don't know how, I don't know why 50 cent was there. Uh, <laughs> Hanging so from the like, ceiling. Because Can I you imagine how long he was waiting that in there? <laughs> we, we, yeah, that must have been unpleasant. We forget <laughs> that there was like a, a, a six to 12 month period in the mid aughts where 50 Cent was the biggest music artist in the country based on a couple songs. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was huge. He was gig- yeah. He was enormous. And so he's kind of part of that, you know, crew. So they, you bring in 50 Cent because everyone knows that song. They do. It's attached to those artists. That's why you bring him in, right? Um, yeah, it was it was it was delightful. The 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 um and thing that has, reminded me of what well he has oh, the connection to Dre, right? Like mm-hmm. I think it it was this this was like Dre and everyone that like he likes the most kind of was was the yeah. feeling of yeah. it. Like did, did fifty cent deserve to be among these legends? 
No, but did <laughs> did Dre say do you like I don't know had an extra ticket to the Super Bowl? I was like, all right, you want do you want fifty? You want to come? I know you haven't been relevant, and I think you've lost all your money. Uh, but you know, yeah, come here, start rehabilitating your your image. Um, I I got to go to a Super Bowl uh, once. Uh, I think I'll, I think according to the uh, when I got reminded of like one of like my images, like hey, remember this memory? It's eleven years ago now. I think. Um, because uh, my dad worked for the uh, Riddell Sports Company. They made a bunch of football equipment, yada, yada, yada. Um, and he went every year. And I went one year with my brother. And the the year that I went, um, I had to watch the, the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl in front of me, which was uh, upsetting. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the thing you don't understand from that halftime show, watching it on TV, is just – I wish – maybe they're behind the scenes on YouTube or something like that. But, like, the, the, the speed at which they put together the stage – is frankly far more impressive than anything that actually occurs <laughs> on it. I mean, and so having seen it live where always, you know, you, 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 you kind of, you know, it cuts to commercial uh, and then you just see people come out with like these Lego pieces basically. And like connecting, I mean, they put together these massive stages in like less than 10 minutes. It's, it's one of the most remarkable things. Like I think about it constantly. Like it's just like one of the most important, like awe-inspiring things I have seen was just the ability for them to put together a massive, complicated platform for the black-eyed peas. Uh, <laughs> was was one of the things that I still think about d- ten years later. Um, it is it is a wild thing. Um, but speaking of wild things, mm. Galt, you have mm. been, I have <laughs> been. Uh, How playing, many? Uh, Hmm, what? How many how many hours did you get into this game, Patrick? Into Horizon I, Forbidden West, the game that we are here to talk about. I uh, I I probably could pull up the PlayStation and, and check. I somewhere between ten and fifteen is probably okay. where where okay. I'm at. I like I solved my first cauldron. Um, I uh, am like in the thick of you know the the story. Um, I am out in the the Forbidden West. Um, AKA I I made it past the six hour tutorial area that really should be not that long. Um, but horizon for, uh, forbidden West is the sequel to horizon zero dawn, a game that came out the same year as breath of the wild. And actually around the same time, if I recall correctly, I believe February yes. uh, horizon uh, zero dawn came out in February. And then obviously the switch and breath of the wild launched in March. I think the arrival of a game like breath of the wild did no favors yeah, to a, a game. Uh, like Horizon Zero Seems Dawn, if we're Horizon. talking about, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game has sold 20 million copies, was beautiful, like had a really cool story. Uh, I played both those games and, and quite, quite liked both of them. The, the setup of Horizon Zero Dawn is there's, uh, I don't know how much we want to spoil. Well, you just watched a lore I, video. Uh, well, no, uh, I, well, I watched, I watched, I mean, they give you a previously on at the beginning of the game. And then yeah, I so also, we're going to, we're going to spoil, like, we're going to spoil like the basic plot points of zero dawn. If that is an issue for you, like to know that going into this discussion, um, uh, because I think just even talking about sort of like the premise and, and like what you are doing in the sequel, I take issue with, and I think we can't really <laughs> talk about yeah. that without mentioning mm, sort of mm. how so the, the first game wraps up. The way I would succinctly sum up the plot of forbidden West is that, uh, Aloy, the main character, is on a quest to um, reconstruct terraforming AI to fix climate change because mm-hmm. Elon Musk destroyed the planet a thousand years ago. Yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah, in, in, Wait. in Zero Dawn. Literally yeah. Elon okay, Musk? Kato? 
it's, well, it's a Elon Musk esque stand in. It's okay, a, but it's like Fer- very Pharaoh's obviously last name. a stand in for Elon Musk. All of these kind okay. of tech bro dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a guy that in. Did you play the first one by chance? No, I you, did not. No, I think I think Kato uh, falls in the bucket of people of. It could have been curious about it, but then Breath of the Wild showed yeah, up. Yeah, was and, busy playing uh, the better one, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the very briefly, it's a guy named Ted Farrow, uh, who is a tech billionaire who essentially invented, perfected the art of uh, robots in everyday life and kind of made billions of dollars off of that. Then develops a line of robots uh, that he sells to militaries and corporations because corporations are people and they start to actually fight each other over resources. Uh, the robots, we're just going to spoil Zero Dawn if you haven't played yeah. it by now. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, the robots are unhackable um, and they reproduce themselves. So you pay Pharaoh a licensing fee and then it'll pop out another robot for you. Um, and they consume organic matter uh, to to replicate. So it goes terribly wrong. And they it turns out we're also organic matter. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> oh, no. they start destroying the planet. Um, and so the, the world of Horizon uh, takes place about a thousand years after the fall. Um, we're probably a couple hundred years into kind of people restarting to repopulate the planet. Um, so it's a post post apocalypse, which is a, which is always a scenario that's very, very appealing for me. I liked it. I liked Zero Dawn quite a bit, the game and the story. Um, I'm about 45 hours into Zero Dawn or uh, uh, Forbidden West, and it's I can tell it's not it's not the game's fault. It's a good game. I can tell objectively that unlike something like Far Cry or an Assassin's Creed, this is a good video game. And I just I can't, but I can't do these. I can't do these games anymore. <laughs> I can't do these big <laughs> question mark laden Ubisoft style games anymore. And it's funny because I remember. And I went back and I double checked myself. I remember the reviews and the discourse around Zero Dawn in 2017, I think, right, is the year when it came out. Yeah. Um, I remember people saying like, yeah, we're all tired of this, but this is a pretty good version of the thing that we're all tired of. And it's like just different enough. And now we're in 2022 and it is no matter it, it's the story still good. It's. Really gorgeous. Um, I don't know, Patrick, if you played after they released the day one patch. Yeah, yeah, I have. All. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cleaned pre, up quite a bit. It, yeah, a, a lot. It looks visually, it's incredible. But I just, but fundamentally, I'm still looking at question marks on a big open world map and getting distracted from the main story, going to check them out and kind of ultimately being disappointed by what I find there. Like over and over and over again, just like as if I were playing an uh, Assassin's Creed, just as if I were playing a Far Cry. And it, in that way, like, and I tried to push through it a couple times to to get story and I just can't, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I feel defeated by it in some ways. Uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, um, uh, I have a s- similar response to for Forbidden West. I, uh Again, quite liked the first one. Uh, the, the robot dinosaur thing, just mm-hmm. as a shtick, worked worked really, really well for me. And that was just like I think that the story, the world building, was all very pretty clever and interesting. I I liked where um, all that went um, by the end of uh, the first game. And so yep. the but but part of the issue was uh, I felt like that first game wrapped up pretty well. Sort of, yes. you told your story. Um, cool. 
We did it. Um, the, I, the mysteries uh, are revealed by the end of it, really. Like, yeah, it, 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 like it does a decent job of sort of like checking all the boxes. Like, what would I want to know about this sort of core mystery that is, is set up? Why they they actually find like a fairly interesting explanation for why is there a hero character that can be the only one that can save everything? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, it's still sort of a, uh, you know, uh, deus ex machina, but, I, you know, most games don't even try to address <laughs> why, why that is. And I thought Horizon at least gave that some consideration and the explanation is still, you know, goofy sci-fi nonsense. But I was like, okay, like they've at least like it, it, it works. Like it fits the the, the logic of the, the world you've set up. Um, and I guess what I was kind of taken by in Forbidden West, like just up front was like, I don't, they haven't really come up with a compelling. What are we doing here? Uh, You're saving the world, buddy. Again, but I thought I already <laughs> did that. I thought I saved the world. Um, well, you got to save just MacGuff- it some more. Yeah, and it's just kind of a MacGuffin to kind of get you uh, moving mm-hmm. along. I think I think the game is really hurt. And this is this was true in Dry in Dying Light Two, a game um, I played kind of an equal amount of time um, as well. This tendency in these big open world checkbox, like checklist games to like, there's just pacing is hard enough when to not start. Yeah. Well, there's the pacing is hard enough when there's like a lot of authorial intent and like a very structured experience. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. That can still get away from you. Look at a a last of us part two (laughs) game that is wildly too long has like six different endings. And like, regardless of how you feel about the content of that game, it is, it is just, it is bloated in length, but not it's yeah. bloated in a different direction than yes. uh, the, these these open world games that that Horizon uh, Zero Dawn and Forbidden West both like really uh, encompass and, and represent. And both Dying Light Two and Forbidden West make I understand why you have like the pseudo tutorial area to try and like l- let the player get their feet wet, understand the tools that they have. Um, the, that area in Dying Light Two is is like 10 hours long it's not that long in forbidden west but if you explore everything like i did because that's what the game wants you to do like the question marks there are for you to then go see what those question marks are hiding um and i found the answers to that to be not particularly interesting the the opening area itself like really gating you know one of the major tools uh one of the one of the first things that uh, that breath of wild does is be like, yo, would you love, wouldn't, how cool would it be to sail around here with your little glider? And you're like, that would be cool as hell, game. And Forbidden <laughs> West is like, but what if you didn't, what if you got the equivalent item, but what if you got it in like seven hours? And um, Yeah, we're going to, we're going to make you play <laughs> what is essentially, uh, like, I think you and I were talking about this. The opening area of Forbidden West feels a lot like bloated DLC for the first game. Um, (laughs) you are, you're in some of the areas from the first game you're going and like, Hey, you remember this character? Let's talk to them and see what they're up to. I I didn't remember. I had to watch a lore video to remember (laughs) all of these people. And I liked the first one. Um, and then you're like, all right, well, we're going to go to an area that adjoins it. And it's this, this area that's very much rooted in the first game and kind of bridges you into the forbidden West where you actually want to be. Right. And you don't get all of your exploration tools until you clear like this major story event that is really the inciting incident for most of the game that depending on how many of those question marks you want to go look at. I think I took I think it took me about 10 hours to get to to get the glider 
and to get into the area that looks distinct from the first game. Right. And I will, I, I want to give people a piece of advice that was in my, rev, uh, my pseudo review that I wrote as well. Um, don't go look at the question marks. Yeah. We, I think we both landed on this was that I think <laughs> the best piece of advice you can give people, especially starting out is just follow the push, story markers, push the story. You're going to go, um, you're, you're going to get to the quote forbidden West and you, you're going to look, you're going to look at how big that map is. And you're going to go, wow, that quest marker is pretty deep into that map. I guess what the game wants me to do is go explore around here before I do that. Don't do uh, that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Follow quest marker. You will find stuff along the way. And there are natural kind of break points where, you know, the game has, you know, a, a leveling structure and there will be the time to go poke around and explore is when you need to like level up two or three levels in order to sort of like match the difficulty associated with, you know, the quest that you're at. Like, cause there's always something around you. And I, I've, I filled out every single question mark. I I'm pretty sure in the original game did the deals, yep. the, 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 the winter DLC, which I thought was like really pretty and interesting, had a cool riff on, uh, like how like people in this world would have a relationship with, um, the, you know, these, these machines. Um, and, in this one, I mean, there's just more, so that that mm-hmm. is part of it. Um, I also think the standard for what you discover in that question mark, I don't know if it's lower. It's been so long that I can't even hold that against. I think it is lower. Compare it. Uh, I think I, that's my gut, that's my gut telling me that. But but it was it was just frequently I would find I didn't find anything of particular interest. And the thing that was even more frustrating was that when I would find when I would go to a, a location. And then I didn't have the right equipment to solve whatever was there. There um, are three or four different kinds of Metroid style gating that this game does. So a lot of those question marks in the first area, you won't have the equipment that you need to get to them until se- for several more hours. And then you'll get the thing to unlock it. You'll go back and you'll unlock it and you will be disappointed. It's a chest. By what is behind well, it. It's, it's a chest. It's some supplies um, yeah. that you you otherwise find all over the, the world. Um, anyway, um, like that, that was, that's like, that was the one, two punch that I yeah. thought to be particularly brutal was where I started following my own, our mutual advice of, I'm going to follow these quest markers, just get to some big story beats, like try and get myself back on track with what I found interesting about the first game. And maybe I can find, you know, some, some version of that here. Um, and then, uh, once I'd gotten, um, so like there's a, uh, there's a tool you get early on that lets you like pull down uh, like pieces of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this is dynamic. It's all like ha- it's all very particular specific objects in the environment that yep. you can or can't interact with. Um, then you get a glider and then you get, uh, I don't know, the ability for, to turn your stick into a fuse. Basically, <laughs> like, yes, uh, uh, basically there's like these red crystals that you can sort of zap and then they explode. And so. I remember I had this very particular spot that I was annoyed with because I'd found like these red crystals. I couldn't solve the little bit. And like the whole joy of even even if the question mark that you're coming upon is just to get a, a treasure chest, it is it is pretty frustrating to get there and then not be able to do anything with mm-hmm. with the bit. And especially given that it's not like I'm exploring late game content. Like I'm going along the track the game is sending me on, and then I can't accomplish things along the track that it seems like the game is, has already set me in the direction of, which feels like the that game just feels is off constantly pushing you West, which is good for my structure and story standpoint. Cause it's about the forbidden West. You're constantly pushing out West to go 
gather these AI and solve more mysteries and do all this stuff. But at the same time, it is always throwing these things in your way that it wants you to kind of go off the beaten path and explore. And then about 50% of the time, you're just learning you're gated in some way off the beaten path. So I guess you just push west some more. Um, I think more frustrating than the fuse crystals are the, uh, uh, you don't have, you need a rebreather to explore a lot of underwater oh caverns and things. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, because, I, because everyone uh, loves underwater sections in any video game they play. Mm-hmm. Well, Always great design. This, I mean, actually, this is like one of my, a lot of the, mar- I haven't watched every trailer for this game, but like I've seen yes. enough of the marketing and a lot of the marketing is like, Hey, do you want to go to like some sandy beaches and like explore some beautiful water? Uh, spoiler, you don't do any of that in like the opening parts of like this game. For I, I assume at some point I will go west enough to see beaches and these sort of uh, more kind of like tropical environments that have been pitched in a lot of the marketing. Yeah. You're going to be in like Arizona, like equivalent <laughs> for like, and it's, you know, it's pretty in its own right, but it is, it's a big desert. Uh, and uh, like before that, the opening area is in kind of like a, I don't know, kind of feels like kind of New Mexico, Nevada ish, like kind of mining mm-hmm. area. So a lot of rocks and, and caves you're exploring. But I, uh, so this happens in the opening, in the opening area, um, a section that you would think the game would, would not be giving you access to areas that you cannot complete because the whole point is that you should be using the tools that they, they've given you to that you could in fact very easily drown and die in. So uh, yeah, so so there there are frequently these caves off to the so there are caves, there are above caves and there are submerged caves. And the submerged and again, the the at the end of the road of most of these is just more supplies that you're using yep. for the upgrade stuff that we can get into because I think that has its own oh my god set of gl- uh uh bloat too too bloat too much uh going on but um I went into one or two caves in which like I just went under I learned how the swimming worked they've I uh, I, I spoiler alert uh they have not cracked swimming it's swimming in video games is still just not very fun if they're attempting to make it realistic. Uh, and anyway, I was able to like go under, like find some chests, find some, you know, rare herbs or whatever. And uh, that was fine. And then this other time I go under and I'm like, Ooh, we're going deep. I'm like, going go, go, go. And then I get a prompt from the game that like the, the UI says, Hey, you do not have the equipment to do this shit. Uh, well, you're already and, under and, there. And I can't, I, it doesn't it like, the game clearly knows that I uh, went I went into the area. It wasn't I was approaching it. It's not that I was around the corner. It's not that I just gotten in the cave. They allowed me to get all the way in to a point that I can't I I I am going to drown and I, I mean, I guess I could have like re- resumed from checkpoint or whatever. But basically, the game's <laughs> what we're putting in front of me was, "Would you like to die here?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and there's no consequences. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But it was. I think moments like that speak to just like my overall issues with this game at large. That, that moment in particular is so bizarre because Aloy is constantly chattering, uh, often in helpful ways. Mm -hmm. Um, cause you, you start to, she approaches something and she's like, Oh, I don't have the right tool for this. Um, down to the fact that like, you know, there's only four or five long necks, in this, I think there's five total, which are the the giant giraffe megafauna that you climb to kind of get like a look at the map. Um, and there's one early on in the Forbidden West that she approaches and is immediately like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. 
signaling to the player, like, all right, come back to this later when you get something. But there, but then again, you've still got these other moments where you're swimming underwater um, very early on in the game, and she doesn't say anything <laughs> before you go into this cave to drown. Right. Um, and there's uh, it, also another one of these underwater caves, right? I don't know if you got to this, but there's like a major side quest that it gives you right when you kind of get into the open, the, the big forbidden West chunk that is mm-hmm. all underwater exploration. No, I've still not, not gone. I've not done I, that. Yeah. Yeah. That I've still not gone back and completed uh, even now, 45 hours deep into the game, but it's just like, I, I remember the first one being fairly tight and restricted. Not like it was, it was big, but it wasn't, sparse. it wasn't overwhelming in right. scale. Is, it felt is like the right of amount it. of stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and again, like speaking to like the nature of sort of a, a question mark, which is, it is, you're telling the player there is something of significance. It doesn't mean it has to be a 10, but that mm-hmm. there, I just felt like that first game hit that bar more often. It's also, it could be the case that the novelty of the world, the combat, um, the enemy structure was doing more work or, 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 or allowing you to gloss over some of that more often. Whereas I just, I don't, I don't know if it's the way they introduce it. I, I've just, I quite liked the combat in the first game. The, the novelty of, Hey, there are different, parts on these creatures that you're what you want to knock off because if you just straight kill them you're going to destroy like this extra these extra supplies it added you know like it was a mixture of strategic and also just again like novelty to individual uh, sort of like combat encounters that i thought worked and it's just not clicking for me nearly as much this time around i don't know if that is again Layers and layers of systems. Um, I, I think so. New here. Is, is, is the like elemental stuff. Is that brand new? Is that was no, that the, el- the original? The, the elemental stuff was definitely there. I think there's okay. more of it because it just feels like there's more of everything. Yeah. And I think the reason that this stuff, this is my theory about why that feels so exhausting because I'm feeling the same way. It's like I'm, I'm kind of in this place where I'm just trying to drive the story forward. And then every right. time I get to a gameplay segment within it, I'm like, oh, okay, I got to I got to kill these dinosaurs again, I guess, to to move forward and kind of don't want to. <laughs> I just want to watch the cutscene. But I think it's the All right, so I wrote in my review that at the point where I was in the game when I sat down to write it, I had access in my inventory to 30 weapons and eight different armor sets. Um, are, these, are these 30 different weapons? Are these like variations of like rare, common, uncommon? 30, I mean, 30 different weapons spread across maybe eight different types. Okay, right. Because I guess so, you can have you can have bows that are a similar type, but then different elemental. And then have different elemental damage or do different like or do different kinds of damage to different monsters. And like they can tear off armor or they're better against humans um, or they, you know, set people on fire, but that that is so, and there, and that's not even like, I've, I've, I, I can know I've stopped buying weapons basically. Um, because I see 20 more out there in <laughs> at the different vendors. Right. Um, but I don't, but I'm like, do I need these? I don't really know. I guess I'll upgrade the ones that I've got. Oh, they've all got upgrade paths, by the way, all, all of these 30 different distinct weapons. And so you, you get to the robot dinosaur, you scan it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to look through my 30 weapons and figure out which one of these I guess I'll use. And it just, it feels like it's a little too much. Well, I mean, it feels like a little 
everything's a little bit, I mean, because not only, you, you know, if you think through the stuff that's surrounding that, right, you have, mm-hmm. um, you have all these different weapons, which are technically part of sort of a, a loot system, right? There's a rarity right. attached to them. Um, and then uh, you have. And to you purchase have the, and upgrade those weapons, you need specific components from specific robot dinosaurs to right. acquire and to upgrade them. Right. Um, but you also, every time that you are attacking enemies, you are gaining, I forget what the, what the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's valor, that, that valor. And then when your valor fills, you can, um, if you hold L1 and then hit R1, you can trigger like a special boost. And this boost mm-hmm. can be your potions do, uh, are more potent. Um, your, uh, like your, a higher chance of critical attacks, your, uh, traps do more damage and each, uh, or you, uh, there's like a, the one that I actually found like fairly useful was like the stealth one. Like you can just yeah, like, imme- you can just go predator uh, like immediately and like hide in the middle of like a high stakes uh, battle um, if you need like a moment to to breathe. Um, and so you have like that filling. Also, um, as you're doing like the R one R one R two, which is like your very basic uh, sort of like combo, uh, you're building up that separate thing. Like you're charging your stick, which mm-hmm. then. When the stick is charged, you can tap R2, which will then tag, and I think this is mostly for human enemies, Um, it would tag them with like a a bright blue spot that if you then shoot that with your bow and arrow, it kind of causes an explosion. Um, And then on top of that, if you you have uh, stamina-based attacks, such as like one of the ones I have that I found very useful is the, like the, the one, like the kind of grenade launcher uh, bomb that you have, like the game starts out where you can like throw yeah. the, the, like the frozen, the, fro- the mm-hmm. chill bombs basically. Um, if you tap R1 associated with that, I can, it'll just like, sh- it'll use multiple of them at once, but it'll shoot them forward and every bounce it increases the amount of damage it can, it can output. And so if I like line up a shot on like a charging uh, di- a robot, I I can like almost one shot them if I like get yeah. the triple bounce before it hits. And so I've got that. I've got that to consider. I, I've got I, I've like my stick charging that I can use to hit. I've got the the stamina charging, which I can use for these bonus attacks. I've got uh, the different elemental things. And it just doesn't more is not always worse, but it, they don't synthesize in a way that feels natural where um I think what the game wants you to do is, hey, there's like kind of 10 different things happening at once. Um, why don't you sort of like bounce between those based on where you're at in the the battle? And I just, I don't know. I never I never felt like I was getting into a flow in the combat where I was, I I, don't, I always felt like I was fumbling. Like, I don't know. I guess I'll throw this. Um, it, yeah, it, and, only, it all comes at you so fast and you kind of have... Because there's what uh, six or seven different kind of upgrade paths for Aloy, Aloy herself, yes. where you unlock all of these different abilities. Well, you get so many skill points. Yeah, you don't really. Yeah, I mean, you're not I don't really to... specializing. No, I mean, you don't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get skill points for leveling up, and you also get skill points for doing side quests and completing tasks. It'll just kind of dole them out. So you're constantly getting these. And you're getting them so fast that you don't really have time to develop a play style that is your own, that is not kind of reacting in the moment to the situation you're in. So and yeah, every- that's that, that's that, that's my issue with it is like, yeah. I don't think the amount of weapons would be an issue if I if the game just slowed the fuck down and spent time with the weapons that I had walked me through why they're interesting. I mean, you get major 
brand new weapons that aren't even introduced by the story. They're just like, add a vendor. Would you Very like quickly. this? And it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. Do I want this? Like, isn't that the job of the video game to explain to me? Uh, and I, 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 there's a degree to which, um, and I think this is evidence, you know, how, how you talked about in the beginning of the game where you had to felt the necessary to watch a lore video in addition to the introductory video the game has and also feeling no personal attachment to these longtime characters that clearly the game is like, do you want to spend some time with these characters you loved from the first game? And it's like, why did I... I believe you. I believe you. I liked these characters, but I don't. That was five years ago, buddy. Um, And I just think in general, the game does a lot of presupposing about, you know, your emotional attachment to characters you haven't probably haven't uh, been with in five years. Um, Weapons and systems that the game only does like a really cursory job of like reintroducing to you before it's like, you're out there, go fight. So I almost feel like part of the issue is that um, the game is expecting me to be like more competent at certain po- periods early on than I actually am and have a, like a wider knowledge base as though I've just rolled off playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Because yeah. I think if you are doing that, like I think if you just finished that game, I would not be shocked if you had a much different reaction to yeah, some of the would... early opening hours because you'd just be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing here. Like I know what my setup is. Oh, there's these cool new systems on top of that. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, but I just think it makes sort of a, a, a poor first impression across that. 10 hours, which is just a long, a long time to like where I'm now feeling versed in the mechanics. Like that's a long time to get to that point. Yeah. You spend so much time getting invested in the, what is essentially a labor dispute in that first uh, little settlement you go to that kind of is not going to matter for the next 50 hours of the story wise, 50 hours of the game's playthrough. It's really odd now that I'm thinking back and considering it. And it's essentially like a way to have fun with one of the side characters from the first game. It's really in the, but on back on the mechanical combat stuff, like the difference between getting absolutely wrecked by these robot dinosaurs and absolutely wrecking them is pretty stark. Uh, I think is if you're not, so many times in these open world games, and maybe this is me getting trained poorly by playing too many, you know, uh, Ubisoft open world games, just like the stakeums of uh, open world game, <laughs> um, is like I'm used to getting over leveled and then kind of going into encounter and just kind of blowing through it, right? In order that to doesn't get happen to the next here, which I, I, I do, I do yeah. sort of like give the game credit for. Like it, it doesn't have, pull punches on. Yeah. The, frequently, I was wondering like what am I doing wrong here? Like yeah. <laughs> I, I've played a lot of video games and I'm getting my ass handed to me in, in this fight. Um, You've got to be paying attention. If you're not yes. paying attention to what they are, what like with their move sets, those little kangaroo sons of bitches. Oh my God. Holy shit. God, God, those guys, those guys fuck me up. I'm, I'm properly equipped for them now. And they do this like spinny tail thing. And then like boom, come down and do this uh, big explosion. And now I've met ones that can turn off my yep. focus. They do. A, and like that stuff's cool, right? Like that, that, uh, there are there are lots of things here that are are really neat. And um, I think people I are going to like this. I, I, I think, think so, too. Like, the, you know, the, seeing the reviews come out this morning was a little sad just because it's because people don't all agree with me, all the other reviewers. But I mean, it's it's getting I knew and I knew this was going to happen. It's getting well reviewed. People seem to like it. I think it's going to sell really well. It's a good one of these again. Yeah, it is. I, it is a good um, one of these. But and, like, and I think your 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 tolerance or enjoyment of this specific s- style of structure mm-hmm. uh, 
is going to indicate like where you fall on yeah. on this game. I I know it is definitely you know increasingly I I think critics are at odds with uh a, like a wide uh group of players in, in terms of like how how they feel about these open world games. I think you know it is true that like playing these games in review the, Galt didn't finish it I didn't finish it like I, no. I I tried to make that point when I was being critical of the opening hours opening 10 hours of dying lives like I didn't rush to beat this this is just the 10 hours I played and then I decided to write 800 words I, I think it is true that like the review process can exaggerate like it faults in a game but yes. in, in having to play it in, in a, such a condensed period of time and having to like formalize your thoughts but I also think it's true that critics um they tend to play a lot of games because they talk about them podcasts. They want to be well-versed. They're just exposed to more of it more often. And so I think it's more than like we're sort of like ahead of the curve of like where the larger consensus will be eventually that well, like we, Horizon Forbidden West is built on a pretty ancient foundation. Yeah. And it's tricked from the first time of cool-ass dinosaurs, kind of unique combat, um, and, a, and a really interesting world and a compelling main character. Uh, th- that just doesn't work as well like – that's not doing as much for me the second time around when I look around, I'm like, Oh, there's really no systems with all these creatures in the wild. Like they're, they're just in there. I mean, they're quite literally open the map and it says yeah. like, this is the spot where they're at. And they're going to walk in a circle and they're going to sniffle around and watching them for a few seconds. will give you everything you need to know. Right. If you just start a little bit patient. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a game where you can, you know, with your focus, the sort of yeah. like, um, you know, you can literally tag like where they go. Like, yeah. I mean, and, you know, and individual weak points on their bodies. Yeah. 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 Um, and there was other things that frustrated me, like the, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Sorry, Kato, did you have, I had a bad joke. So if you hit one of the weak points with a pokeball, <laughs> it's like more likely that you catch them, right? That's how that works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks, only, Kato. only if you've unlocked, only if you've gone to the cauldron, and learned how to tame them right. and gone and hunted several of them to get specific parts and taken it back to a central location, studied those parts, then maybe you can override them. I just got, <laughs> I just did the the first cauldron this, this morning. Like I, I just finished that up and I forgot how much of a cool wrinkle that is mm-hmm. to the game. Really? So uh, cauldrons in Horizon, basically like you go through kind of like a platforming, like a deep platforming sequence that ends with, kind of a mini boss is yeah. sort of the setup. And then when you do that, you can download more data to your fancy future stick and uh, it will allow you to take control of uh, a set of uh, creatures that are are in the world. And um, the game starts out by allowing you to take control of essentially like the game's horse equivalent. So you have like a, a way of traveling faster that isn't actually fast travel. And then the first cauldron you, you get uh, allows you to like override some of the most basic enemy types that you uh, run into and turn them into uh, friends that fight for you. And like <laughs> that rips, like it's, it's super fucking cool to watch like this saber tooth tiger equivalent going around. Um, fighting it has dudes. a laser then, cannon on its, on its yeah, shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, and I just wish that stuff was in there sooner. Uh, I think it could have, you know, maybe added some variety to, to the combat that I, that I didn't have. Uh, early on but but the 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 point i was going to make earlier was that another issue i have and this is specifically related to sort of like the breath of the wildness is that um so this game has like giant open spaces um Mm -hmm. vaguely gestures at the idea that 
you could just kind of climb anything. And you can climb like a, th- a third of any anything. It's, and- it's definitely <laughs> better than the first game where the climbing was very restrictive. But it's um, still but, pretty restrictive. But you still better not try and climb anything before you click the right stick. Right. Do do the uh like in you know uh fancy tech investigation and like little yellow lines will appear mm-hmm. on parts of the world that you can interact with. But I would say more often, maybe not more often than not, but frequently enough to be frustrating. You should never just assume you can just jump on something and climb your way up. Like this morning, I had a a common encounter with those damn kangaroo characters go, go really poorly. And I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm running away. And I was like, well, I'll just climb up uh, this set of rocks. Well, just holding up didn't work. I had to then click the stick, see like what, what part of the hand, like what part was interactable. And like, that's a bad experience. Like I yeah. should be able to, ex- to escape, climb up, but it's like, unless you touch these very specific yellow markers and, and even in the not, actual plat- there's not a good visual distinction on those pieces outside of clicking the stick right it's like right. a lot a lot of times like a sheer rock wall will look exactly like another sheer rock wall but one can be climbed and another can't um and and then, and then the, the opposite end of that is when you're doing pure platforming sequences mm-hmm. i mean the game is just full of yellow paint which is yeah. like hey whoo we want to make absolutely sure you know exactly where to go, even if you're in a cauldron. At least the cauldron's like the aesthetic fits a little bit better because it's yeah. like yellow piping and wires and it, it feels like it it fits a little more. Whereas um, when I'm climbing to the top of some abandoned building, um, why are there yellow markers <laughs> everywhere uh, allowing me to get where I, where I need to go? It's just a little goofy where it feels I'd rather my general feeling on this game. Like, and this speaks to uh, the way it handles this, like, as we're talking, the climbing, the combat, the story, the world. Um, I just wish it was a little more authored, like a little tighter. I feel like this game, even with what it has, if it was like, I don't know, 15, 20 hours of like a more authored experience, um, I think it would be much better for it, specifically for what I want out out of what what this game has in front of me. I think if like, that was the the structure of it. I think it would be a lot better for it. Um, Cause I just don't find that world super interesting, at least like what I've seen of it so far. And, and you don't, yeah, the, <laughs> you've seen many more hours of it. And, and I feel like we've been on the same wavelength in terms of yeah, how you we responded to it. You haven't met uh, like Tanakh outside of the embassy meeting or um, the, the farmer people. Have you, how far mm. into the story are you? I let's see in the Vegas. I I have met Carrie Ann Moss. I will say okay. that um, you had you had the Highlander two moment. The had the Highlander two moment. I um I have been introduced to a uh uh like a tribe of people who uh treat the um the robots as like demigods. Like they okay yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and I need to go help them with. Okay, um, and I know where you are. Then yeah, yes. you just you just met the farmers basically. Yeah yeah okay. Um, well, I want to talk about the story a little bit then. Yeah, sure. Um, cause I think one of the things that really drove me forward in the first one and made a lot of this stuff that was already tired then palatable was the central mystery of this world and Aloy's relationship to it and her place in it. Right. And so you're constantly, I can't, I needed to know the answers. And in the story quests, you're doing a lot in the first one, you're doing all this kind of spelunking into, um, 
ruins of the old world, uncovering the mysteries of what happened and, you know, kind of learning the story. And by the end of it, you have a very satisfying conclusion and it's all wrapped up with that gone. And you're being on more of a traditional save the world quest. And there are still mysteries going on. Um, There's a signal that you need to figure out. Yeah. Man, where's the mysterious? I mean, the first one had like such a good motivating. Like, yeah, in, th- in this in that world, uh, Aloy doesn't have a mother, and yep. as a result, she is an outcast in and um, doesn't fit in. is is rejected by even the, you know, uh, sort of like beginning markers of society that this version of the Earth is is kind of like coalescing around, and like that that is like yes. There are bad, bad things happening in the world, but her motivating uh, uh, factor for herself is a sense of identity and place and like, why am I here? And like, why, why am I different? And I, that works. I thought that worked in tandem really well with like the broader world building and like the world is ending sort of like story that was, of course, has to happen in, in games like this and stories like this. Um <laughs> like in the in the sequel, I don't know. She kind of starts off being like a total prick to all of her friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she like she's yeah. just kind of a jerk. Um, and doesn't uh, so I well, I need to go save the world. This is what I got it. This is what I got to do. And I'm like, okay, Aloy, maybe chill out. Seems like your friends could help. Uh, and uh, I don't <laughs> know. Like constantly I, I, begging you to let them help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't she's not very likable <laughs> to to start, which can be a choice. That I mean, yeah. I, it's just, but I don't know that. I don't know that the my reaction to the character is necessarily like the reaction they were like going for from the character. I would say what I think they're going for, and I don't know if they're going to land this or if it works, um, is they're going for like okay, so Aloy learns learns about her who she is and who, how she fits into this world, right? The second game I think is about how much do you owe your parents. Mm-hmm. How much, what do you owe the past? Is the path that they set you on actually the right one? Um, and how do you have, how do you communicate with people that are no longer here? And I see that theme echoing in a lot of the, the better side quests too. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't, I, I think they'll probably land it because they're not, it, again, this is not a bad it's just no. we're just I think a lot of it's just like disappointed like, yeah like i wanted to like it more because i i yeah. true like i thought that original game was 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 pretty good i thought the dlc was really good yeah and i was like okay five five years to mull like i was like there is there's a great foundation here to do something really interesting and i i i just kind of think they took one of the more boring paths forward yeah. which is a pretty straightforward they went sequel. with more and prettier basically yeah you yeah, know, which again, I think will make a lot of people yeah. happy. Um, I think people are gonna people are gonna like it. People will be satisfied with this, right? But my but my like jaded person who's played too many of these and written about too many of these, I'm just so sick of it. I mean, I think we talked about this when we talked about Ghosts of Tsushima too, right? Another game that I people really loved, and I just people couldn't. really loved that game. I was not like no, the I reaction just, yeah. to that game was I was not ready. Yeah, like for I mean, I thought that, again, I thought that was a better one of. The, I think like that's a better game than this. Uh, uh, I think I like this a little bit more. I think, uh, but I think that's totally a short, like subjective thing. Like people love Ghost of Tsushima so much, and I hate it. Like the experience of playing it was like pulling teeth. <laughs> then when they released the PS5 version, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to this and give this another shot, and like maybe 
it's good. And I'm just, and I just can't, I tried. I can't. Every time that bird <laughs> comes in to chirp and tell me where something else is in the open world, I want to, I want to strangle it. I can't, I can't. Like you, ha- you have this. Bird. It's just trying to help you, man. I know, but you have this beautiful game and this beautiful system where like, I don't ever have to pull up the mini map and I can watch the wind take me to different things if I want to. But then every time I get near any question mark, this bird's going to come in and chirp. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Like, no, I don't, I don't want the bird. Make the bird go away. Give me an option to turn him off. Um, and that's my Ghost of Tsushima rant. No bird. Down with the bird. No bird. No, no bird Navi needs to, <laughs> needs to get fucked. Um, but the other thing that this game has been making me think of is uh, Elden Ring for, for one thing. But like, what sure. is the, I still want an open world We can game. still talk about Elden Ring because as of this recording, I don't. I don't have access to it, so I can still openly be like, "What do I think about Elden well, Ring? What we, could it be? I can't. I can't. Say. I don't have to shut up yet." Well, we both played the. You played the network test, didn't you? Yeah, we all did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the difference between like what is a good and compelling open world game and what is a shitty open world game that I never want to play again, like I feel like Horizon is like is like right in that line, and I kept as I was playing it. So I used to love these so much and I've, I, you know, I, I've, I've completed literally done completionist runs of some of them. Uh, thinking about what do I want out of this genre now? And I kept remembering Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild as well. These open worlds that are more mysterious, that don't put all their question marks on the map, that let the player kind of navigate themselves and, and like are okay with letting you miss things. That it's not the end of the world if you don't go to a specific dungeon or or don't hit a certain point. I never um, went to that. The island was Evertide. Is that in Breath of the Wild? Even, is that Eventide? Yeah. Oh, the Eventide. Never. I yeah, played eighty hours of that game. I know that's for some people their favorite part of Breath of the Wild <laughs> or like a highlight. I never found it. And yeah, I like, never went there either. That's, that's oh, cool. So like yeah. I, I I don't feel like I had a lesser experience. I mean, I feel like I, I mean, like I do. I, I did have a lesser experience, but I think it's cool that I was able to have an experience in which I missed what is, by all accounts, like a real cool part of that game because I just didn't go to it. Yep. And I also just played, and I'll make this brief, I also just played and beat Pathologic 2, mm-hmm. which has me completely okay. like rethinking what you can do with a video game and like how you design it, which is this, it's this video game that doesn't care if you hit quest objectives at all. The game is going to continue forward with or without the player participating in it. As long as you're in the game, time is always progressing forward. And if you miss, if you miss certain things, that's over. And the game is going to continue moving forward. uh, Like, you know, Sometimes people will die that you could have saved. Sometimes people, you know, that you could have killed will continue on. But it, but the game keeps going. And there was also something so refreshing about playing something that didn't care about your participation in it as much. Mm-hmm. Made the world feel more real in a way. And then to like, you know, there's a lot of other janky problems with Pathologic 2. Um but then to go from that and then to sit and play one of these big open world spectacles, it just, it felt real jarring. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's harder, right? Like yeah, I, yeah, I understand yeah. it is why definitely games, harder. I understand why games like it, you, 
you can see how the game was built playing mm-hmm. a game like this, right? You can see, okay, um, like you have, you know, have side quests. To, I mean, like you can just, it's more transparent. You can just see how it's all plugged in to the bigger thing. And the harder thing to do is, is a breath of the wild is, is having, you know, I think in Elden Ring, I think there are going to be so many things that you miss playing yeah. that game. It is going to be impossible uh, to, to see all of that on, on one playthrough. You are just going to miss things because the game is going to be built in a way, structured in a way. And that's like, that's a design decision. That's also, um, it's also catered to a different type of player. Like yeah. I, I think the reason this game has the markers everywhere is because there are a lot of people uh, that like filling out all the markers. And sometimes that I, that I, that I, I can be that type of person occasionally. It's like a, it's rare when that game will hook me to that degree. And the first one did, I, mm-hmm. I did pretty much everything in that game and then just didn't go after the trophies. Cause I, I don't need to do the grind part to, to get there. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that's where we, we got, we, I guess we're both, you kind of come down on, on this yeah. game and like sort of like where this this type of game is at in general is, I I want more games to justify why they have the big open space and what they're doing with it because I think absent that what you end up with is you have a hundred side quests that are all okay yeah. or not good and then uh and then occasional highs that justify like give you a a dopamine justification to seek out the the rest of them as opposed to what if there was a fraction of them and they were all like interesting and varied? And those are just different approaches to, to games like this. Cause you can't, you can't make a game this big, interesting everywhere. You just yeah. cannot do it. This game is in development with unlimited, you know, I would assume mostly unlimited resources. Like, like it's not a cheap game. It's an extremely expensive game. And yet like it has all these parts to it. They don't feel cheap, but don't feel interesting. And yeah. I think it just shows the limits of what you can do, even with enormous resources, um, trying to continue building games at this scale and fidelity, unless you take a different approach to what you're putting in them. No one wants to play your in-universe board game where you have to collect <laughs> different pieces. Well, yeah, Kyle oh, might. Man. Kyle might. Yeah, um, I will. I will absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say it's me. Like, it's me, uh, the one person who wants to play in. Well, apparently the game. the Kotaku reviewer um, also really, really loved. There's an in-universe board game in Forbidden West uh, where you have to go to different locations to collect various like chess-like pieces to use in the board game. Um, I, I guess people really, yeah, I, like I see that, and my brain just shuts down. Mm-hmm. Shuts mm-hmm. down. I did Gwent once. I'm not doing it again. Yeah, I, I did. I did like the tutorial, and then I was, I was good. You um, didn't become the, uh, what was it called? Shit, I forgot already. The the, the board game in uh, Final Fantasy Remake. Uh, oh man, um, you did all of those. Yeah, oh, man, yeah, I played yeah. that one too. Actually, <laughs> the I'm thinking about uh, it. Con- Fort Condor is that what it was called? Fort yeah, Fort Condor. Yeah. Fort Condor. Yeah. Fort Condor. I, made, I became the Fort Condor Master in that DLC. <laughs> <laughs> I did all of yeah, those I, side quests. I liked Fort Condor too. So see, see, this is the thing. It's like I don't know. I don't know where my line is. Right. This game's got me all confused. It's got me so confused that I did something really gross last night. Oh yeah, we were gonna start the podcast with this, but now I think we're gonna end this segment with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we before we started, you were about to. There's this tendency when we do uh, 
uh, like before we start recording the podcast, like obviously we're like bantering, but we're like anxious to get into what we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. And then we, you know, I'm sure people have heard this before from other podcasts. We're like, oh, we're burning pod, which is like you're just you're using a content you could have here. And the one that <laughs> that Matt left me on and I was going to open the podcast before I it just <laughs> exited my memory was uh, that you you said you did a gross thing at around 9 p.m. last night. And so um, um, as, as we conclude this segment, what is what did you do? What uh, reveal your darkest secrets to, to Waypoint Radio? So after I wrote the, I, I filed this review pretty late on Friday, got it all set up. Um, and then over the weekend, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to push through some more of this and see, and I just couldn't do it. Every time I turned mm-hmm. it on, I was just like, I can't do this. And so I played a bunch of Sifu, which is really good. Side note, I played some Hunt Showdown, which is really good. And then I was Wait, like, okay, you I- can't, you, how many, you, you can't just say I played a little Hunt Showdown. You were like the Hunt Showdown person that I know. <laughs> you played that game for like thousands of hours, correct? Six, about 600, okay, six hundred, right. six or seven hundred. Right. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. Of, yeah. So yeah. not just like a little. That's like your 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 uh, hunt showdown is Kato's destiny. Yeah, yeah. I've played <laughs> I've played a lot of hunt showdown, but setting that aside, and I kept I was like, do I just not enjoy open world games anymore? <laughs> Can I just not? Maybe that's part of me is just broken. Maybe I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So around nine p.m. last night, I did something gross. I purchased and installed Dying Light two. <laughs> Okay. All right. And started it up. Yep. Um, and I was hitting that space bar through a lot of the dialogue because holy crap, they're really proud of some really terrible writing. Yep. And I got into the open world a little bit and um, yeah, maybe this part of my brain is just broken and I can't do it anymore because <laughs> the second I got to the, the second I got to the part where there's all the, you get to the bazaar and there's like all these people mm-hmm. like, Hey, we want something from you. I'm like, no, I don't want to help any of you people don't want to do any of this. I think, I think that, I think that part of me may be dead and I just can't play these anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I had I, such it, a it, visceral it, reaction to far cry six. Just. Oh. Right. Yeah. I mean, it may be the kind of thing where uh, you have to get selective about the ones yeah. that you engage in. Right. I think for a lot of people, there are probably, there are probably a number of people who, don't even consider themselves to be fans of quote unquote open world games because I think when you when you when you say that you invoke a lot of the games we're talking about that maybe might turn off a bunch of people and that they don't even consider Breath of the Wild it's in conversation with those games yeah. but it exists to the side of it because it is yeah. doing something um, pretty different even if if on the surface you could describe them as like having similar uh, setups um, but that. Just because you like Breath of the Wild does not mean you would then like Horizon Zero Dawn or insert, you know, newest Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, I think the that game going live service model is kind of perfect for what Ubisoft wants to achieve with it. But oh, yeah, the whole, Assassin's Creed Infinity. Or yeah, Assassin's Creed Infinity. Yeah, that's just like, of course, of course. Perfect. Yeah. Um, was we bring, uh, this, we get ready for a break. Are there any other concluding, are you going to finish it? Or are you just, are you going to, are you going to take, is the, uh, would be the, would be the ultimate move would be to uninstall the game. And just <laughs> I think, I think I need to have let it, the courage of your convictions. Yeah. I think I Matt. need to let it go. And I'll, when a lore video comes out, that'll give me the rest of the story. I'll just watch that. Give that the five days. Is, that'll, that'll, that'll be out on Friday when it launches. Yeah. Right. Well, and the other thing is. Total War 3 is out this week. Um, I want to play that. And then Elden Ring. Right. I know as soon as Elden Ring drops, like I'm not going to play anything else. Right. That's what I want to play. That's the open world I'm enchanted by and interested in after spending some time in the 
the the the network test like that looks good that's where i want the genre to go so yeah i just think i'm i'm too old and too tired to push through something i'm not enjoying just to get the little morsels yeah. out of it so yeah that's gonna, health that's healthy you you've, you've yeah. done growth this is growth this is <laughs> um recognizing who you are as a person and just embracing that. So I think that, uh, I think that's healthy. Um, yeah, I'll just play more hunt showdown until <laughs> my guess is I will loop back ar- around to this. I, I do find enough of the world and I'm, I'm now just getting to the point where I'm getting enough interesting mechanics that I, I think if I just hunker down on the story, uh, this could become like a good, um, podcast game. Um, whereas Elden Ring is very much not like, not that, that is a, like, I want the headphones and the, and and the music and I need to be like locked in. Um, but there is something to having just the game, like the game that you're just kind of like checking off the things while I'm like listening to people discuss a movie. Um, and so my my guess is that that'll be what this game is because I don't think Dying Light 2 is going to be it. That did not quite get me. Um, but I think this game could be could service that for me at least. Yeah, motherboard uh, editor uh, Emmanuel told me um, he's like the story of he's playing Dying Light Two and he's like the mm-hmm. story of Dying Light Two is whatever podcast I have on while I'm playing <laughs> Dying Light Two. <laughs> exactly, wow. exactly, exactly. Um, all right. Well, I think because we went long, you're probably going to jump after yes. the break. Yes. Um, um, let me plug. Let me plug. Yeah, this. I was going to say, what's what's going on? What do you want? What do you want to tell people about? So I am the host of Cyber, which is broadcasting live on Twitch every Wednesday at uh, mother or at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV and is also wherever uh, fine pods are casted. It is a show about cybersecurity broadly. Um, we've done a lot about NFTs and crypto. And this week it's going to be about uh kids getting scammed and hacked in Roblox uh, and why, you know, fedoras are worth thousands of dollars and then people are coming in and stealing them from kids. So that'll be fun. Yeah. The uh, couple of times, fortunately, my daughter hasn't gotten super into Roblox. She'll open it up every once in a while. And like the chat is just full of people being like, I, someone stole my X, Y, Z. And I was like that. Well, this seems, this (laughs) seems between that and like the people make games, videos, exploit it, you know, showing how it's, and, you know, deeply exploiting a bunch of children. Uh, Roblox, a problem. Also yeah. huge. Uh- <laughs> so it's, it's uh, that's what the metaverse is going to look like. It's going to look Great. like Roblox. Mm. So look forward to that. Mm. Uh, Your kids have people- already been in the, have already been in it forever. I'm on Twitter at MJGAULT. All right. And uh, yes, your, uh, your piece, your critical piece, review, I don't know, whatever people want to call it. Um, Horizon Forbidden West is a great way to smooth your brain is up now uh, over at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on and we'll, we'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 
Okay, ready? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're back. God, I want you to keep that yawn in. Just look at the enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, That's, uh, well, I guess now we know what Kyle thinks of Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> yeah. And, and an hour discussion of it. I'm playing a different open world game with magical creatures. You are. It was... <laughs> I had a, I had a, at, at the Super Bowl party I was at, it was, it was delightful because there was a, I don't know how old he is. Um, I want to say like eight, maybe, but I don't know. There was a, there was a, a young boy there who mm-hmm. I've since met him a couple of times and he's really into video games. He knows like, well, he thinks I test them. I just allow, I, I'm not going to explain <laughs> reporting to an eight year old, but, um, <laughs> They, I come over and sh- like I get introduced by the kids to like see some other kids they know and they're like oh he tests video games like mm, okay it's fine <laughs> um, but anyway it was like very delightful because he, he's he was also playing the new Pokemon and so we were nice I was I was able to use your knowledge that I've acquired through the podcast to hold a <laughs> a conversation I was like I know right. what a shiny is and he showed me his one the one shiny he had he had collected nice uh, um, but you yeah have finished. This new Pokemon game. Yeah, finished uh, is an interesting word for this one too, but I hit credits. I guess is the is the way to put uh, it. So it just so some games end. Yeah, and some games just end. And it sounds <laughs> like maybe that's the like, what happened here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's kind of a uh, it's kind of weird to say this, but like it's like a prolonged to. Not tutorial because you like really get into the mechanics, but like by the end you've unlocked. It has a similar structure to like a a world or something, right? Like the quote unquote end is you've unlocked all of the areas, but now those are open world areas that you're gonna go back to and like do the things that the game want. Like you want to finish the Pokedex, you have to go back many times and like you know hunt hunt down the different Pokemon and all that. But the story basically serves to you know, guide you through unlocking all of the open world areas that exist. Um, and it ends up, uh, being really not great by the end. At at first, like the first, like two thirds or whatever, there was this kind of like, you're helping out the, uh, indigenous population with some of the, their, the Pokemon that they like, have relationships with they've suddenly been frenzied and like you're coming in to save the day basically and it was like it balanced it okay it like wasn't too like foreigner helping out the 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 natives uh fix issues that they're too dumb to figure out until like the last third and then all of a sudden that it be that just literally becomes what you're doing like there there are people (laughs) who push back and are like but if this if this was caused by like the god Pokemon, who are we to say that we should stop them from doing it? Like, <laughs> I, you know what? That's I, you know, uh, um, but and like it would be interesting if that argument were nuanced at all. But it's a Pokemon game, so it's not. It's literally it's just like right. No, those people are wrong. Those people are wrong. There's there's nothing to it. Like you're just gonna save the day and it's gonna be fine. Um, the it ends up like completely hand waving any sort of like conflict there is between team galaxy the like newcomers to the island and the two uh native clans and uh at the end there's like a moment where you think okay here we go like the team galaxy leader spoilers i get for for the very end of this game but it doesn't matter this isn't really a story game 
but I still, <laughs> I personally am still invested just because I play every single Pokemon game and I have to talk about something about them at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, the, 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 the team galaxy leader kind of like goes off on like a wrong headed, like crusade because he, th- he assumes the end of the world is happening, but it's not, uh, and you end up having to stop him. And like there's there's like a moment there where you can see, like, okay, actually they like science and modernity aren't the thing that is actually uh helping you out in this case. Like it feels so much like they're saying like Pokeballs and like the Galaxy team are more modern than the clans who are living on this island, and that's why they can help with these problems. And then at the end, the galaxy uh guy has like the wrong idea about a natural phenomenon that's happening. And, like, this is a thing that you kind of... This is a type of conflict you get between indigenous people and, like, newcomers to a land all the time. Like, the idea, like, that people won't listen to indigenous uh, people about nature, about the place they live, even though they have been there for, like, many, like, many, many... Enough generations that they know when natural phenomena are happening that this is what you should do or yada, 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 right? Like they understand the place they live in more than any foreigner could, Mm -hmm. but often the foreigner with quote unquote more technology will come in and be like, I'm smarter than you. That's not what you should be doing. And they're wrong. And they're just going to fucking ruin the environment. Things like that, that it was like pointed in that direction at the end. And then it ends up being like, no, actually, uh, he was kind of right. There was kind of a catechism and you end up saving it just because, you happen to be picked by the god Pokemon to come to this land. It like hand waves ah, any well, sort that's of like. Convenient. Yeah, exactly. It's a hundred percent just like, oh, you happen to be the chosen one. We're not talking about any other conflict between these two groups. Uh, everyone has to work together, is the story at the end, including the colonizers and the colonized. Like, everyone ah. hold hands and everything's fine. Yay! Yay! No uh, cataclysm! <laughs> um,. So like, it it was a real ride there for a second where like you could see moments where they might have like done something interesting or nuanced, and it just kind of ends up being like, nope, this is this is gonna hand, completely hand wave any of those conflicts, even though it like starts to like touch them, kind of I tangentially. Can't tell. It's one of the, uh, I guess you're, you're you're best equipped to answer something like this, where it's like, is is it better to have them playing in those waters, like trying, like clearly consciously telling a story that is going to, uh, you know, at least finally acknowledge some of these themes that have been running in the series for a long time and making them more explicit and like not bring them to any pointed conclusion or (laughs) is like better to exist in the zone we were in before, which is like, look, I just, that's just not what happens in these games. Right. And I guess it's just sort of one of the things like when, you know, when the, when they finally decided to to do something like this, of course, like it's not shocking that this is where it ended up. If you were to place a bet, yeah, this is what you would bet <laughs> that like, this is what they were going to do. Um, so I'm curious like where you, you fall on it having then experienced it. Like, is it, was, was it worth them going down that road or would it have better to have just done more hand waving and dodging in the beginning and just not even, not even bothered. I, I wonder, because a lot of it isn't, I'm not even, like, upset at the sort of hand-waving they do around the, like, core mechanic of capturing Pokemon. Like, there is this kind of weird tension here where, like, 
the people on the island don't use Pokeballs, but they still have partner Pokemon, right? Like, they still have Pokemon that are their friends that they will fight with. Oh, so you don't have to kidnap them to become yeah. Friends. It turns Seems out like maybe that's a be- maybe that's a better path. <laughs> right. uh, frankly, I don't. I, but, maybe, but maybe don't put them inside of a fucking ball. And then the whole game spends like all of it, like a lot of its energy in the story, being like, "Huh, it looks like catching them in the ball isn't worse than just befriending them. <laughs> they are still your friends." Huh. Okay. Ah. Ah. Great. Hmm. Uh, this technology is not just kidnapping them, and like that. Whatever. <laughs> like I didn't expect that ever to change. No. Of but, course. But the flip side of this is like there, like there is a chance here to just take the other stance for this game because the mechanics can be different, right? Um, right. Like the idea that you were you come through the portal and you land with one of the two clans instead of being the the colonizers is a thing that could have happened easily like i could easily like drum up a narrative there and like mechanical reasons to do that um but instead like yeah they come in as the like people with like the more more technology which is why they have the pokeball which is why they're like catalog- there was just there everything. was some it like, would, what if you got some bo- like there was at least they had mechanics where you could do some vert like you could engage with their right their approach at like living with Pokemon and maybe they couldn't have actually built out two branches, which is like pro, you know, pro Pokeball or anti Pokeball <laughs> necessarily. But like if they, if they had some like sort of me- mechanical acknowledgement that like, look in the story we're showing there's, there's a different path. Like yeah. you could do this a different way. Um, and right. You know, and it's not purely they're, you know, well, I guess the game, the game is kind of saying, well, they're just doing it because they don't know better. If they had a goddamn Pokeball, they'd they, use they, it. Exactly. When, <laughs> when there could have been a, a version of this that's like, look, there are advantages for like, if they want to do the story conceit of, hey, it's, they're not upset being like the Pokeball's cool. Like it's got a hot tub in there. Like they're fine. Yeah, like don't, don't worry about it. But um, it would have been cool if there were like actual mechanical like built in mechanics that allowed you to befriend some level of yeah. Pokemon like through other other means. Um that just seems like that could be like really it's interesting also, quest design. Like there's a lot of possibilities that open up. It's also um, I, I touched on this in, in my review. It's like it's also a thing that has existed. Like literally a friendship meter has existed in previous games and like right. methods of like playing catch with your Pokemon, cooking for them, like interacting with them outside of the uh, battle capture systems like they're used they're in in sword and shield specifically the, the the most recent ones before the before Arceus uh like you could camp with them and you would uh play with little toys like you know they were like pets like which is kind of like the 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 core conceit and like interest in Pokemon itself is that they're cute enough and fun enough to like want to act as their pet and not just a JRPG character that is in your battle in your party battling right um mm-hmm. Like this one doesn't have that the closest thing you can like you can let them out of their Pokeballs and like hit A to like talk to them and they like do a little like hello or whatever. <laughs> but like they're the the friendship stuff has all been pushed down to uh back down to like a, a hidden stat where like giving them potions and not letting them faint is kind of what determines that in the background. Like you don't see it, like and there's no other way to kind of manipulate that. There's no way to like, you know, yeah. There's no interaction outside of capture or battle. Um, and like, yeah, it, it, it starts, it, it, 
it's just so easy to see how this could have gone a different way because you're in the you're in a place where uh pokeballs aren't widely like distributed yet like it's literally this one village that is making them um mm-hmm. you could see like a way where like you start out not using them and maybe you by like you start ga- gaining them from the like colonizers as they come in but like you have a different relationship with your Pokemon because you've been around them longer already. Like there are ways to kind of that, that this could have gone differently, right? Like it's not outside of the realm of things that game Freak could have done, I think. Um, but it didn't. And like, <laughs> it, it's the Nintendo, the Nintendo way. Yeah. Ah, uh, but they didn't. <laughs> didn't. Uh, and like, I don't know. I think at, uh, part of me is like, I'm, I'm glad that they took the swings, obviously, mechanically, I think, like, it's still very, like, it was still very satisfying to, like, uh, explore the world and, like, see all the Pokemon out in the world doing their thing. And I mean, it seems like a really exciting foundation for the future if you if you believe that, like, there are sort of like two pillars of Pokemon. Yeah, I guess three if you count Pokemon Go, which will never go away. Um, But like in terms of what you see, which you see in this, right? Like. It feels like Pokemon Let's Go, the Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee ones, where essentially, like, it had a similar thing. You saw the Pokemon in the overworld. Uh, you would still have to, like, touch them in the overworld to go into a thing, but then all you did was throw Pokeballs, right? Like, like they basically mm-hmm. kind of took out battling wild Pokemon. And this does, this has a similar, like, structure of, like, the wild Pokemon, you don't really need to battle them that often. You're mostly sneaking up and catching them or avoiding them is like the best way to move through the through the space um so like it feels like this is kind of a synthesis of those different styles and it's like a good mechanical foundation i think for the series going forward but uh i feel like the sooner they can get out of this like old timey uh yeah i guess that was my question like where do you where do you think this leaves like if you had a hypothesis I mean, I about think, where it went next, is it's just like we're, we're just in this world again, but it's like a more detailed version of it, or we're time hopping or going back to the present. I feel I like it's harder doing the present because of like it's cities and things like that, which make it more difficult maybe to to do. What yeah, I mean, but got like going on here, there are like in Pokemon, there's the routes, right? Like the 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 the, the routes between cities are always like partial wilderness some paths but like right so like you could do this sort of like um and maybe the areas are not as expansive in order to like allow more space in the like cities and stuff but like yeah most of your pokemon catching and battling of wild pokemon happens between towns and then at the towns you're doing the whole gym thing um i feel like they're just gonna do this for the other regions there are you know Mm. uh what eight regions at this point um three of those are other places in japan so like they could even stick with the same sort of like Uh, yeah (laughs) the same uh, sort of time period and stuff and just do it elsewhere uh Mm -hmm. which use some of those assets again (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah use some of the models and like then redo the environments for a different place and maybe it'll be, be a little better who knows um so that I feel like I feel like that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna this. I think I forget what the stat is, but it definitely has already outsold, like or close to outsold Sword and Shield, I believe. Um, 
people didn't like Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield's also still sold a shit ton of copies, if I'm remembering correctly, but... Twenty-two million copies. Let's see what RCS is at. I think... uh, think It's it's been selling really well. Uh. 6.5. I think what the the stats I was seeing was that it sold more in its first week than Sword and Shield did. So, Mm. you know, once it's been out for as long as Sword and Shield will probably overtake it uh, if the numbers keep up. But... um, it's yeah, it's a big enough hit that I feel like they they won't be getting away from this format right. anytime soon. Uh, it feels like it would be a mistake to go back to the old format at this point. Um, and like mechanically, I'm interested in that, but I think I have to stop expecting more of Game Freak and their narratives. Yep, gotta be happy. Unfortunately, you gotta be happy with what you got. Uh, but at least at least was there is is is, is interesting. Um, well. Let's uh let's jump uh, quickly into the to the question bucket before we get out of here. Um, this comes from Matt. Hi all, just finished a recent app uh, where Patrick talked about wanting an espresso machine at home. As a bit of a quote Rob Zachney type myself, I went down a deep down the coffee rabbit hole during COVID, and nothing but misery awaits you there. I know Patrick isn't picky <laughs> with his coffee and just wants an espresso of some kind, but espresso is super unforgiving. The difference between a brewed coffee from Patrick's Kirkland setup and a fancy beans pour over a, or a fancy beans pour over is certainly noticeable, but I'm sure Patrick's coffee is still drinkable. It is. With espresso, you are hyper concentrating all the flavors, good and bad. So even with my well thought out nice setup on a razor's edge of making undrinkable trash every time I pull a shot, it's truly the dark souls of coffee. It's all very expensive and time consuming. The other consideration is that you need a grinder. And the general advice is to spend more on your grinder than the espresso machine. You could always go for a super automatic machine where one button takes you from whole beans to a finished drink, but that will run you a ton of money and you still need to dial in all the settings for the beans you are using. Anyway, thank you for all the wonderful positive streams. Fuck capitalism. English is a trash language. Matt. P.S. If you're curious, I ended up with a used Rancilio Sylvia that I modded by adding a microcontroller for the boiler temperature Damn. and a DF64 grinder. I'm just going to posit a theory mm. that when he says as a bit of a Rob Zachney type, he's a big <laughs> Rob Zachney type because Matt, Entirely. you said you modded a microcontroller onto the boiler temperature of your espresso machine. You're doing things that Rob dreams of. Rob can't wanna- add a microcontroller for the boiler temperature to his espresso machine if he had one. But he would like to. He wanna, wants to live in a world where he could do that. Do you want to guess how much the uh, base one costs? The Rancilio, this Rancilio Silvia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a new one. I'm going to guess $800. $830? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, because someone who is well-meaning, a, a person I know in the industry who listens to the podcast responded on Twitter with like, hey, here's the one I have at home. Like, if you're interested. And I clicked on it. It was like an $800 machine. It was like, I'm glad you listened. But did you really listen to me? Did you, you know this who is, I am? This is um, what I'm saying about the manual ones, though. The manual ones can still make good coffee. You do yeah, need yeah. a good grinder, a good coffee grinder, though. Uh, you can't be doing well, trash grinds out here. Yeah, we yeah. had a coffee grinder, but I'm pretty sure it's a crappy one. I mean, we don't have it anymore, but we we did. Um, I'm we probably not going to go down this. Have a conical burr. 
The what? <laughs> Did it have a conical burr? Was what's, it a burr grinder? What does that mean? I, I just put the beans in, and I press a button, and it went... Wait, did it... Was it a little spinny bit that yeah. you could see? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. No, 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 What does that mean? No, 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 It's bad. That's like... That's like a, a spice grinder, not a coffee I don't grinder. I do what my wife tells me to do. I didn't purchase that. You can go yell at, <laughs> you can go yell at Katie. You know what? Tell me how that goes. Get back to me. I don't use look, it anymore. Look, conical burr... Mm-hmm. Just search conical burr grinder. Oh God! There's Conical. a. F- I don't trust this forty dollar one at all, but the Baratza Encore is good. I think. Um, I was explicitly told not to read the email name from this person. So this is comes yeah. in from anonymous. <clears throat> hey, waypoint. Just a quick concur story. So concur for context. This is not in the email. Just setting it up. Is a common, uh, service that corporations. Uh, have their employees use to file expenses. So if you go on a trip and food or you buy some equipment for work and that's the way to, you know, if you don't have a corporate, you know, card, or even if you do have a corporate card, uh, that that's a, to get your, to get your money back. <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, anonymous writes, uh, just a quick concur story. A guy I used to work with famously had a picture on his phone of a napkin that said, quote, I forgot my receipt written on it. This was the picture he used for all his receipts, regardless of what it is, because as it turns out, concurrent sucks for everyone, including the people on the other end of your expenses. <laughs> I also learned that there are limits to how much you can fuck with the system. As another person on my company famously used his corporate card to buy a boat with what? the excuse of, quote, I guess I used the wrong card by accident. Somehow this dude still works for my company, and we all just assume they are garnishing his wages until he pays it off before they fire him. Thanks wow. for everything y'all do. He bought a boat. Boat. I mean, a bare a bare minimum boat is, you know, if you're buying a used boat, I mean, I'm you're five ten grand, and at just, least, <laughs> at least, uh, I respect it though. I hope that. It just got approved and then it was just too much of a pain in the ass to like reverse it. And they're just like, okay, well, I guess, I guess we bought you a boat. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I have to assume I mean, that guy's making a lot of money though. I feel like if you're not making a lot of money, they might make you like take it off the right. card or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I mean, the closest I, I, you know, when I worked at CBS, I, or for Giant Bomb, um, I expensed like all of my drinks when I went on trips. Like I, I would be out just like at a bar, you know, until one in the morning, and I, I would take that thing home and be like, "Why not? <laughs> like, who's gonna stop me?" Yeah. Uh, it turns out nobody. And so I was like, I would stop doing this if someone. I mean, it was on work trips. I wasn't doing like my normal Friday evening was was expense, but it was like I'm at PAX or whatever. This feels within the. It's not like I'm submitting a thousand dollars. It's like a you know six beers, you know forty five bucks or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I just I was like, I'm gonna submit it. I'm like why not? And it always went through. Um, so blame Jeff. You know, blame Jeff Gersman. Giant bomb still <laughs> standing. You know my it, my yeah, things fine. My beer tabs did not sink. Did not sink the company. Lucas writes, dear waypoints gang, in my neighborhood in North Hollywood, there's a Modern Warfare three Jeep. That's routinely parked on the street near my building. What do you think it's like to be a modern warfare three Jeep owner in 2022? 
Did they buy it when the game launched? Or did they, do you think they bought it used? How much more or less do you think a used 2012 Jeep Wrangler costs with the Modern Warfare 3 decals than the standard model? I saw that they have a Great Lake sticker on the back window. Do they drove it from the Midwest to LA or shipped it so that this distinctive ride wouldn't rack up miles? I have so many questions whenever I walk past it. It would love even more hypothetical answers. <laughs> Thanks for making such a great podcast. Lucas. That... What is a Modern Warfare 3 Jeep? Uh, Warfare 3 Jeep. Oh, I'm Googling it. 2012 um, Jeep Wrangler Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Edition. So you could just... All right, so this is an article from MotorAuthority.com from September 2nd, 2011. If you're the sort of person who's into off-roading and first-person shooters, you'd better sit down, oh writes my God. Richard Reed. Because Jeep is about to blow your mind. This November, the 2012 Jeep Wrangler Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Special Edition will roll into showrooms across the country. Actually, even paying attention, this isn't especially mind-blowing. After all, the 2011 Jeep Wrangler Call of Duty Black Ops hit dealerships just last year. Whereas the 2011 edition was deep black, echoing the Black Ops vehicles used in gameplay. The 2012 version comes in black or silver, which is a nice option. Buyers can choose either a two-door or four-door model. The 2012 Jeep Wrangler Call of Duty Special Edition is based on the popular Jeep Wrangler Rubicon, and it comes with Rubicon wheels finished in semi-gloss back, semi-gloss black and 32-inch off-road tires. Okay, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but of course, it's really special about this model is the Call of Duty parent paraphernalia. And the exterior, you'll find Call of Duty graphics on the front fenders and on the spare tire cover. Inside, black seats featuring Call of Duty logos, a serialized plaque on the dashboard, and other accents on the grab handle, armrest, console lid, and steering wheel. Oh my God. Chrysler has not yet published a list price for the 2012 edition, but last year's about a clocked in at what, Kato? I don't... How much you think? I mean, how much is a car? I don't even know what, like, what, how much does a banana cost? $10? I bought, I will tell you that, so I have a Honda CRV 2011. It's like not a minivan, but like it's a kind of a family car. It doesn't have like three rows. It's definitely not big enough for our family anymore, but (laughs) buying a car right now is not what you should be doing. They're Mm -hmm. extremely expensive and rare. They're like a shiny. Like trying to buy a car right now is like trying to find a shiny Pokemon. Anyway. It's a 2011. Uh, we bought that in 2016 for $17,000. So that is a that was a used car then, and that cost $17,000. Just okay. to give you, a, this is a would be a brand new car. Now, granted, 2011, but um, mm. where do you think where do you think you would would end up? There. 30, 30K. $30,625 for the two-door and $33,500 for the four-door model. If that's too rich for your blood, you can enjoy driving the virtual version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. It's game shelves on November 8th. Oh, my God. Um, is that yeah, this, expensive? For, uh, I, is that expensive for a Jeep, I wonder? I don't think so. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm presuming this is just, you know. Yeah. A, a special edition. Maybe it's like a tiny bit more. Um, I mean, I guess I could just look, right? Like how much did, they said it was based on a Jeep Rubicon? Rubicon, yeah. Jeep uh, Wrangler Rubicon. Uh, 2012, 2022 Jeep Wrangler. Um, uh, well, that's 44,000. Um, uh, uh, 22. Yeah. Oh, there seems like a lot of Jeeps. Oh, these are all different. 
I don't think it's more expensive. I think that's I think we can at least have that takeaway. I don't think they're like okay. bleeding you dry for uh for this, but it's probably oh, just rare. Rubicon for Rubicon for four wheel drive. Yeah, thirty two thousand in in twenty eleven. Yeah. MSRP thirty two thousand. Um, invoice thirty thousand. I I mean I I also have the same questions that uh, Lucas has of would love. To talk to the person that is just out here, still rocking. I mean, the uh, if a car is gonna last, yeah, Jeep. I people like Jeeps. They're multi-purpose. Take them off road. This is this is the real big question for me, though. Is do you think whoever owned it? Do you think a this is one of those like they bought that in 2011 and have kept it forever, uh, or did they buy this used and was it cheaper or more expensive because of the branding? <laughs> It's so much. I'm my my guess is they've had it since then. Yeah, I think they. It's it's one of those. Hold it's a on much. To it it's a much funnier story if someone bought this <laughs> off the used car lot. Yeah, and the oh guy there God. is like, "Look, I'll I'll knock I'll knock three grand off. I cannot get anyone to buy this Modern Warfare Three Jeep. Um, <laughs> nobody wants all this stuff. Is like stuff you could get." replaced like nothing is on like i'm sure it could all be removed and if i had to guess a dealer probably would do that like i think if you sold this car well okay maybe uh car heads can write in but would they would probably just patch like remove all of the the branding and then try and sell it straight as opposed to trying to sell it as the call of duty I don't know. Can do you think you can get rid of that little the thing on the outside? I feel like you can upholstering door. Upholstering upholstering costs a lot of money, though. I tried to upholster a couch once. It was more than the couch costs. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, uh, replacing that, like the decals on the headrest and the back of the seat. Yeah, I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying all this would be cheap. I'm just wondering if you're the dealer. The, the process of trying to sell right, right. will it <laughs> like, will it offset <laughs> uh, uh well, let's see. hold on last thing we should do is search for modern warfare 3 jeep used can i buy one true car oh my god has them yeah this, is it is the modern warfare car in kelly blue go. book <laughs> um the jeep wrangler i could buy one right now in san diego for at this is at a dealer, and it. I'm proud to report it still has all the decals on it. Um, I could get it for twenty four thousand nine hundred ninety five right now, uh, for uh, you know just a low, four hundred and fourteen dollar month, uh, monthly payment. The average price is, yeah, twenty four thousand, twenty six thousand, twenty eight thousand, twenty two thousand, twenty six thousand, four thousand. <sighs> This is wild. This is great. Um, people love Call of Duty, though. I can imagine. I could so easily imagine athletes buying something like this. I don't know who the target demo is for this, but Call of Duty is so popular amongst, um, like football players in particular that would not shock me if they're all would also think it was cool <laughs> to, to blow <laughs> sure. uh, thirty thousand dollars on a. <laughs> Jeep Wrangler or, you know, with a, with a Call of Duty logo. That's if anyone else has seen one, if anyone knows anyone that is, is 
or, you know, was a Modern Warfare 3 or Black Ops Jeep owner, please write in. I would I would certainly like to know more. If we can't know more about this specific person that Lucas observed, maybe out there in the wider Waypoint audience, we have stories of other such Jeep owners. So we can fill in. I feel like there's some commonality between the kinds of people that would buy this car. That if we find yeah. another one, we can make some assumptions. <laughs> Uh, oh, you God. can write in with those stories if you have them uh, to uh, gamingadvice.com is the email address. Uh, that's going to do it for Waypoint Radio. What do we got coming up this week? Well, when you when this podcast, well, actually, I guess because you're gonna you're gonna we record in the morning, so you can edit in the afternoon. Yeah, um, this will be up. If you're listening to this, you could be also watching Kato and I do our big long uh, Kingsfield Four, the uh, the ancient city. Uh, stream. Uh, we're going to do a big long po- uh, stream of that before we do a podcast talking about it and kind of talking about From Software, getting ready for Elden Ring. Um, so do I th- I do, I-, I would like to keep playing that game, but before we co- record our podcast, uh, we're going to do a big, you know, you know, six, seven hours with the, with the game on, on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this, uh, you should pop in there. What else we got going on? Um, well, I was going to play uh, Warhammer. The new... Warhammer, yeah, he's yeah. going to play Warhammer. Uh, I think he's going to do that on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then on Friday, what did we decide that we were going to do on Friday? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we did. I think in theory we should be oh, right. doing the Anacrusis Fire Team Friday. Yes, Anacrusis. Yes, for Fire Team Fridays. We're yeah, we're going to play um, the new game from some of the different X Left for Dead. Uh, so many ex um, developers out there. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, Left 4 Dead 2 was made by Valve. Like, Total Rock made the first one, yeah. partnered with Valve on Left 4 Dead. Then Total Rock spun off, did Evolve, and then um, Back for Blood. Uh, whereas, like, this uh, Anacrusis is, I think, more of the Valve part of uh, Left 4 Dead. They should make another Left 4 Dead. I feel like Valve would do a good one of those. Um, so look for that uh, later this week. We'll also have a podcast. They're too busy porting on... Portal to Switch. Uh, they didn't <laughs> do that. NVIDIA ported it. Wow. I saw. Huh. Yeah, Valve, Valve didn't do that. Um, and they'll, they'll have their own portable portal. Portable portal. Portal. Um, portal. portal, with, portal uh, when, the, when the Steam Deck uh, launches uh, later this month, which mm. uh, if you're curious about that, stay, you know. Stay tuned for this month. Um, But that is going to do it for the podcast, Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us at Waypoint on Twitter, um, at Waypoint Vice on Facebook and YouTube, and also on Twitch. Um, Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash Bowen. That is it for this week's podcast. You can follow me at Patrick Klepek. Kato, where can people follow you? At a underscore Kato underscore appears. Uh, until later this week, fuck capitalism. Go home. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.